Mother's Day is almost here, and you can get her the most beautiful time-tested gift around. A watch she can wear every day for movement. Whether mom's into classic dress watches, rare and refined ceramics, or tried-and-true bestsellers, movement has something she'll love. And right now, you can save big on the best Mother's Day gift ever with up to 50% off site-wide during Movement's Mother's Day sale at MVMT.com. Again, that's up to 50% off at MVMT.com. But I was extremely fortunate and blessed that I met this beautiful woman who would become my wife, which is just crazy to think that it happened in this way. Neither of us chose this. It wasn't like, oh, you met up with your soulmate and it's just great from there. Love at first sight. None of those things were specific for us. And so I want to talk about all the problems that we went through in relationships and in maintaining that healthy relationship. Hold your station, this education is relevant. The motivation through conversation is evident. We're talking spiritual body, mind, development. This is the manhood experiment. The What's up, y'all? Welcome back to another episode of The Manhood Experiment. Today, we're talking about one of the most important aspects of our lives, relationships. Whether you're single or in a relationship, we all know how challenging it can be to attract and sustain a healthy one. So we're going to dive in and see what we can do to improve our chances. Also going to cover and entertain y'all with the extremely extremely unconventional way that I actually met my wife. And we want to just talk about overall the problem of why we have so many unfulfilling relationships, how people are settling, tolerating. I did a little bit of that myself. I think you guys can relate. And we need to get clear on what a fulfilling relationship looks like. So whether you're single or you're dating, I promise you're going to love this. So before we get into it, let's do a little round table and see what's going on with the fellas. T-Rex Dreams, what's good? What's goody? What's goody with a hoodie? Man, <laughs> life is good, Jay. Life is good, man. I heard you've been out there busy coming out here to the West Coast in Arizona, getting your business moving, man. Some some new parts going on. On my side, be quick. We got the mother-in-law visiting, which has been a huge, huge help. Oh my gosh. This baby boy is mm, going to be here. I feel you on that. Supposed to be a Valentine's Day, baby. I'm not sure when this episode's going to drop, but I'm excited no matter what time it is. Mm -hmm. But how's that business going, man? How's that been moving for you? What's new? Business good. Thanks for asking, man. We're feeling revived. For one, it was this was the first time I've left the nest in a while. So it was good just to get out, be around some inspirational minds, making some moves, my partners, doing big things. And it's just a reminder when you put yourself around people that think big, it, it changes the game. It's like a multiplier for all the moves and action steps. But mm. overall, business is looking good and expanding. It, it's good to see it getting traction. And yeah, just all good things right now. I'm really stoked. It's a beautiful chapter. It's good to see your brothers moving up. Mm -hmm. Speaking of moving up, this marketing genius we got over here, T-Rex, yep. how you feeling, brother? Hey, man. Yeah, I've been good. I've been watching the stats on this podcast for the last week, seen it grow. You guys have stepped up for the new year. I love it. The quality we're producing this year. We've come out with some great episodes. I'm excited. The theme these days are relationships. Yes, sir. I'm pumped. Personal life, I've just been doing more traveling. I was in San Diego again for a very short bit. Lots of rain, <laughs> lots of flooding there going on. Yes. Back in Vegas. You guys feeling that down there? Not as much as they feeling it up north. Yeah, yeah. I don't watch a whole lot of news. 
But then I talked to somebody the other day, because maybe it was at my dental office, I was getting a little cleanup. They saw that I was from California, lived in California. And they're like, man, it's, they're getting wiped out down there. And, you know, and I kind of downplayed it. And they're like, no, it's pretty serious. So I, I knew like more yeah. central yeah. California, but I didn't know if you guys were feeling it down south. Some parts of San Diego was flooded. So Wow. Yeah. Yeah, but it being good, I headed to Sedona. Mm. Yeah, check that place out. But okay. yeah, I'm excited about this podcast. What do you have for us, Jay? Oh, yeah. Oh, I got some good stuff, y'all. <laughs> this is going to be a fun one. So we got the confessionals coming once again. Promise to entertain and, and hopefully educate with some nuggets, like always. But this topic came up as it's just a discussion that I feel like I have more and more in this chapter of my life. But specifically, it was just a reflection of the relationship that I am in. You know, we had anniversary recently of just when we came together, you know, over five years of being together. Mm. And it made me just reflect back on how far we've come. You know, anytime we get in a little disagreement, I always want to be sure that I'm giving myself credit for the development, the growth and evolution. And I thought it would be fun to share that one so you can see, maybe you can relate to yourself in this story as far as problems, obstacles. Again, talking about you don't know what you don't know. But I want to take you guys back to building up to that unconventional way that I met my wife. It's always a good conversation starter if, if anything doles up. So Yes, sir. I was the epitome of a bachelor until my early 30s, but definitely throughout my 20s. I had some of those relationships that lasted, you know, a year or so on and off. But I don't like to consider myself a playboy. I don't feel like I was out there doing anybody wrong. But I was definitely getting my reps in. You know, we talk about that with business all the time. Like, you got to get your reps in. You got to get some experience. Get your arms in. <laughs> and that was something that I was busy doing. You know, like, I was out and about. I did definitely experience that FOMO syndrome of just feeling like I needed to be out all the time and, and the next best thing, which I'm not proud of. It was just, I think, the area that I was living in, this flashy place of me being out and about. And a bunch of my buddies that also were bachelors, you know, so we were just out a bunch. And it, what that led to was a lot of unfulfilling relationships. In the moment, it was mm. fun, but it was a common scenario where I'd hit this point, whether it was after a couple months or sometimes did stretch almost a year where it was just like, I wasn't opening up or the relationship didn't seem fulfilling enough. Maybe there was a fear. I downplayed that a lot mm. and had a fear of those relationships growing. Not enough that I was really frustrated because I think that I was out about and I kept my options open, but I was creating a lot of the same patterns. And I think that I dated a lot of women looking back on it that were great candidates. I know that's kind of a weird word to say, but great marriage material, but just bad timing. You know, it's a cliche mm -hmm. thing to say, but what I mean by bad timing was I was not the right person to be supportive. I, you know, I was immature in some of my decisions. I tended to be self-centered and not so much ego-driven, but I just wasn't willing to give what that partner really deserved. I was still trying to figure out my own mess. That's honest. That's honest. Yeah. It really is. Yeah. And I want to talk about some of the things like there's, so there probably is a fear to commit, at least that fear to commit to something that was so unknown for me and maybe cutting off all the possibilities. And something that I found myself and I reflect back on it was this idea of positivity. And I think it was toxic positivity. Like I just was always just thinking like, all right, just make the most of this. If somebody was in a bad mood, I wasn't the best listener. I would always just want to jump in and give that advice and be like, oh yeah, just, 
you know, don't sweat the small stuff <laughs> and move in, you know, and it's, it's something that probably hindered me being really vulnerable and asking for help. And it certainly was a big limiting factor in me developing a healthier relationship earlier on mm-hmm. because I wasn't as compassionate as I needed to be. And that's something we're going to talk about how we can develop these skills, which I truly think just like happiness, I think is a skill. I think that your relationship characteristics, we can really develop these. So a lot of time doing my work, I was open-minded. I felt like I was around good people. I don't think it was a toxic environment. But again, I was limiting myself from growing and certainly these relationships too. And it was a pattern. So time went on. Mm. I continued to really focus on my career and take care of myself. I didn't feel like I was really missing out on that love side. I just always figured it will work itself out. And (laughs) one thing will take care of another. And a lot of my friends started getting married and having kids. And then I was like, you get to a point where you're in your 30s. I know times have changed, but then it's like you start to be a little bit of the odd thing. It's not as odd as it used to be, but you know, you're not getting invited to as many events because it's a couple's you're thing. the single guy or your best buddies can't hang out with you as much because you're that guy that's going out and always you're bringing, you know, your, your new <laughs> dating partners and this and that around. <laughs> yep. So I had reached a point this is when I was close to 30 or so where I had been working on my big passion of getting this book project out. And I had released it. And I don't know, I was doing PR stuff, doing some new stuff. And this casting agency reached out to me. And it was through a contact that I knew. And it was like, hey, we got this opportunity. It's a dating show. Oh, no, first of all, they, they said, you know, The Bachelor? And I was like, yeah, I'm familiar with that. My old roommate was on that show. And I had been approached about it a couple of times. I think just in the area that I live, it's a common thing. They said, well, it's like that, but it's a little bit different. There's really no downside. I was like, I don't know about that. And (laughs) this casting agent was like, look, all it's going to do is help you. And so I was like, all right, well, I'll listen. And talked about the opportunity. She's like, basically, you'd be living in a house and there'd be 12 to 15 ladies that you get to live with and court them if you're the guy they're chosen. All the guys just had a little smirk. (laughs) And I'm like, oh, oh, really? And so at this point, I thought, you know, I feel like I've achieved and I'm on the track, you know, the trajectory of where I want to go with my career. Maybe this is really good timing. And so I was like, you know what? What can it hurt? So I go through the interview process, these Skype interviews, get passed on to another one. And then once I get passed on to the first interview, that next one, they give me this packet. And it's like 40 pages that you got to fill out of all your history, your dating history. And that was entertaining. They want to know everybody you've dated for the last 10 years. And I was like wondering, you know, why? Wow. Whoever you lived with, they need like all medical records. You got to go do blood work, all these different things. Make sure you don't got monkey pox or anything else that you can think of. And then I felt like I'm invested in. That was like a half day project of just straight work. Go through the interview process. I still don't have complete details on what this is. They said BuzzFeed and Facebook were producing it. So I was like, ah, sounds legit. But also in the back of my mind, (laughs) there's a lot of these shows where people are getting fooled. They go on thinking it's for one thing and then they get tricked. Anyhow, so there's a little ego involved when they said that, okay, well, we like you, but there's also a hundred other guys that are being considered for this. So they're going to fly you out to Los Angeles to meet with the producers. And then there's a voting process. So still at this point, like I didn't know how good the odds were. And they're kind of firing you up saying, you know, yeah, they like you a lot, whatever. I thought I had a good spiel that I was a food guy, you know, a nutritionist. And I was like, I think this is different. And so I get out there, go through the interview process. I felt like I did what I needed to do to show up. And then it gets narrowed down to like five guys, the five guys, there's like a a firefighter, a pilot and all these different roles. And then they all get voted on. So a lot of suspense, still a lot of what if I had projects going on that 
I had to leave. And they told me once I fly out for this interview, if I'm the guy, I'm going to be gone for eight weeks or more. I think it was like eight to 10 weeks. You have to prepare that you'll be gone for that. So I had to tell some projects, I had work projects going on that, hey, I'm leaving for the weekend. I might be back next week, but I might not be back for a couple months. So that whole part was kind of crazy. But anyhow, mm-hmm. ended up coming on. It was a crazy, surreal experience. And throughout the process, I was living in this house and they would bring in a couple girls each week and you'd go on dates. If you had chemistry, you'd either keep one or send another one back. But every, I think two times a week, two new girls would come in. And so you're going through a lot. You're going through dates, crazy surreal experience with the cameras following you around. I mean, 24 hours. And I went in not having a whole lot of expectations. At first, I was a little shell-shocked like most people would having cameras on them and the pressure from the producers to create this type of environment. So you do feel pressure on those shows. Like the producers are really saying, hey, no, ask this question, ask that that type of That's deal. what's crazy about it. It's not, and I can't speak for all shows, but it's not completely scripted. But what they'll do is they put you okay. in an environment, they put you around alcohol, and they tempt you and they, they definitely strike up types of conversations like talk about this. You know, for example, you're getting to know somebody and a producer would say cut or stop and would come in and just be like, this conversation is boring. Can you guys talk about sex? They want to keep it interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And so yeah. a lot of that, I learned a lot about how production works. You know, when we watch these shows, you could follow somebody around for 24 hours and make them look like a hero or you could make them look just like a terrible person. Anyhow. Mm. Crazy surreal experience. My family was flown in by surprise. My best friend, these women, they got narrowed down to five and then four. And then I'm living with three. It's narrowed down to two. And at this point, there's one woman that I felt like on paper looked good. And I was like, oh, my family would be proud. And we had some chemistry. And then there was another one who would just like, you know, this natural attraction, you know? And so I had to get advice because this was a big decision. The commitment was you didn't have to get engaged or married, but the premise would be that person is going to move to your hometown and you're going to attempt to start a real relationship. And so it was a big commitment in that sense. Oh, wow. So this person was going to move to your hometown after the show? Yep. So that was the premise of the show. It's called Relationship. It was a couple seasons. I was on the first season of it. And so throughout this process, it was like speed dating under a, a pressure cooker. So I got to learn so much about myself. And let's just say out of the 12 girls. Mm. I mean, there was like literally 12 different styles of girls. You had artsy girls, sporty girls, girls in politics, people that had sense of humor. So people you related to, and there wasn't that perfect mold, but it was a reminder of like, this is part of dating and experiencing how you relate, how you communicate. I definitely Mm. found some right away that I could rule out that there's just not that type of chemistry here. But it was hard. It got very stressful at the end. It was an extremely fun experience. Ended up the final two women came to my hometown. I was living in Arizona at the time, you know, and you're courting them, showing them all around and they build up the suspense and, you know, you end up narrowing it down to one. And that was just this crazy exhilarating process because they take away your phones for two months. I don't know what's going on in the world pretty much because it's just all this whole production. Anyhow. Not a bad thing. Not a bad thing. (laughs) There's a lot of entertainment in there for sure. I promise you that. Now, finish the show. I'm a little shell-shocked with life because it's so surreal to think that these beautiful women were getting courted and I was kind of getting to pick and choose. And I was always saying like, look, I don't know how I got put in the situation, but let's make the most of it. I'm not claiming that I'm right mm-hmm. for every one of you. So let's figure the whole process out. But I learned a lot in a fast pace. But even after I narrow this down to the, the woman who I thought was the best for me, we get out and we have to learn to date all over again and get to know each other. And it was 
very challenging. For real this time. But I was extremely fortunate and blessed that I met this beautiful woman who would become my wife, which is just crazy to think that it happened in this way. Neither of us chose this. She was doing travel nursing at the time and a casting agent had reached out to her. The same type of situation. She was in between contracts. I was like, hey, hey, we'll try this out. And from that point, we started dating and there's a lot of work. And that's where I want to get into this story was it wasn't like, oh, you met up with your soulmate and it's just great from there. Love at first sight. None of those things were specific for us. And so I want to talk about how we were able to put ourselves in that situation and how I think that this relates to other people. But I also want to talk about all the problems that we went through in relationships and in maintaining that healthy relationship. And what you guys can take from this is probably not going on a dating show because it's probably not realistic and your odds of finding a mate you know, is very, very low. But I want to talk about how you can put your best self out there. So we're going to talk about self-awareness and some of the other problems. And just quickly before I bring a fellas in, the first year was challenging, but it was very blissful. But then the real work started beginning, you know, and so there's levels to this mm-hmm. in a relationship. And so what I wanted to ask you guys, and I did some homework here, is what do you see as the biggest problems with maintaining a healthy relationship that lasts? And that could be in yours or what you have observed. Obviously, Dreams, you're in a beautiful, healthy relationship with your lovely wife and baby mom. We got a, another child coming and, and T, you got some life experience here. So what do you guys think as far as the biggest problems in a relationship? I would say. And by the way, that's a great share. That's a great story to hear that, the context of how you met your wife, Alex, and now you have a healthy, passionate relationship. And I could see you guys on Instagram just enjoying yourselves. So that's amazing how that came together. In terms of relationships, I think at different stages of my life, there was different problems like immaturity. But I think when I narrow it down and look at the basics... One of it is being able to communicate clearly. So there's always a communication, lack of communication. But sometimes when you communicate, you don't have the clarity and you don't have the compassion and kindness in communicating. So there are a lot of communication, but the problem is it's not necessarily good communication. So I think learning communicate, Mm -hmm. that's one thing. And the second thing is holding on to all beliefs and self-awareness, which I know we'll get into that, but I'll throw it over to Dreams. Yeah, I like what you said, T. Just maturity, emotional maturity comes along with self-awareness. Those two pieces were a challenge at times because when you're coming into it, I'm sure probably like you learned, Jay, when you were coming into that show, you were like, you know, I'm the man, I'm doing my thing. And then as you meet all 12 different women, you may have had 12 different critiques on certain things Mm -hmm. that you took back from yourself. And you're like, oh. I didn't know that I did that or I came off that way. So now you got to take that and adjust it. Even with one person, that's difficult. So I can only imagine what you went through. (laughs) Right. Um, But I would say the second piece is trust, right? Really building trust and security, especially for people that may have had past Mm -hmm. relationships where their trust was affected. So having to jump in and be the person to help build that when something may have already been broken. And you don't know Mm -hmm. that when you're going in or dating somebody. Mm -hmm. One thing I do like that you said before we move on, I love how you spoke about different types of women that you were dating. Not everybody Mm -hmm. was in all the same category, you know? Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of people miss out in life because, you know, they have this idea type in their mind and they're only dating that type. So sometimes you get the same result. Mm -hmm. But before we go on like, you know, result pieces, I just thought that really stuck out. So I want to speak on that. Yeah. 
And bravo to you for sticking it through and finding that love of your life, man. Yeah. I can imagine. That's that's tough. Dating one woman is tough. <laughs> you know, to talk about the analogy, you know, T, you mentioned like looks happy on Instagram. But I mean, behind everybody's Instagram is real life and the roller coaster of struggles. A lot of people are putting out their best to show off there. But I mean, I'll speak for our relationship. I mean, there's been times where it felt like breaking points and, you know, we've had to, mm. to tap in for some help. And part of that is because of my past drama. It's trauma, I guess you could say. And so I want to touch on some of those things. And before we go on more, just to y'all listeners, I wanted to say this goes for all relationships. Like it's not just about y'all who you're searching for love. Maybe you're happy, but like in your social relationships, in your family relationships, it's without a doubt a major factor into living a long, happy, healthy life is having healthy relationships because it brings purpose. It allows you to have somebody to speak to and not keep things bottled in. And so mm. the stuff we're going to talk about with self-awareness and communication and all these things, it just allows you to show up in life and develop strong relationships. And it doesn't matter if it's one best friend or 10 acquaintances and a couple of really good friends in there. It's definitely worth having to allow us to really enjoy this life. And so this is something cool. Based off of collected data from divorce marriage counselors, including divorce records, the four biggest problems for couples, and especially when it comes to marriages, you know, you guys touched on a lot of these communication issues, just lack of effective communication, mm. which makes it more challenging for conflict resolution and so on, trust issues. So that could be insecurity, jealousy, a lack of just being transparent and opening up. That's a wide spectrum. Yeah. The third is lack of intimacy. Mm. And not everybody has that chemistry or is in tune that they're, what their love language is, but people can tend to have that honeymoon stage and fade away. So it's lack of intimacy is mm. huge, especially as you grow and go through different stages of the relationship. And then finances. And we've touched on this. This is real. Yeah. You know, when my grandma came on the show, she literally was asking the final women that were there, what are your credit scores? You know, and it was it came off kind of comedy, <laughs> but my grandma's about her papers. She's and it was funny because Grandma I don't yeah, play. Well, she had a couple of marriages that didn't work out and she just said, Look. Financial issues are one of the major reasons why uh, relationships don't work, whether people don't see eye to eye, different spending habits, poor budgeting, financial instability. If you guys need some general awareness on that, go back to our episode when we talked about some finance stuff. And budgeting, yeah. And then there's that pressure of keeping up with expectations that can change over time. So based on those issues, I know we talked a little bit about some of the experience of, of what you guys have. Did you guys have anything more specific you know, on that? Because wh where I'm going with this is if we know what the biggest yeah. issues are, we can reverse engineer and be ready for those issues and understand our blind spots. So if we don't know what we don't know, like we think that we've gotten by just fine on our own. And that was the issue for me is I got by just fine on my own. I always figured things out. You bring somebody else <laughs> into the scenario and it can become a lot of pressure. Like I had clients that would take care of me and I'd travel around. Well, that's different when you have a relationship and you got to take care of a lot of things and there's sure. unspoken expectations or standards, I should say, that you're going to learn throughout the time. Hey, listeners, this is Big Dreams. And I just wanted to take a moment to thank you all for listening to today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. Please follow us on TikTok and Instagram at Manhood Experiment. There, you'll find the latest giveaways and some very funny behind-the-scenes moments. Now, back to the show. So, I mean, out of any of those, I know you guys touched mm -hmm. on them. What do you think, bro? I'm picking up right off of what you just said uh -huh. there. You've been doing something by yourself this way for a long time. 
with me and my wife. That's the perfect example. When I met my wife, she was I N D E P E N D E N T. Do you know what you know what I mean? Like she was doing it. She was taking care of a business. She was in uh, George Washington University. She just signed up to George Washington University, going to school, working for a, a very large contracting company that worked with military and everything like that. And I was in, you know, finance and starting my career with my company and you have these two uh, storms that are like getting out there trying to get it. Now they got to line up and find out where these goals line up and align. And for me, just starting my financial journey, I started getting to a discovery place where I discovered debt. I discovered, mm-hmm. you know, medical bills that I had from college. And I spoke on that in a prior episode. And this stuff followed me through the relationship. And my now wife, Dayton, she was like your grandma. She was like, what's your credit score? You know, y'all remember that episode. I checked my credit score. It's 525. Mm-hmm. And I was like, oh my gosh, I'm so embarrassed. And how am I going to do this? I'm in finance. I got to talk to talk, walk to walk. Like, I'm not living what I'm preaching right now. And that mm-hmm. was a big piece of me, some self-work that I had to do, right? Mm-hmm. And then we get to the point where we're married. And I'm like, hey, let's really take advantage of being married and doing our taxes together, filing our taxes together and putting our budget together. Mm-hmm. So now after being independent so long, she's got to come to me and kind of consult me. And I have to consult her on how we're going to spend Mm -hmm. our money that we made individually. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like that whole mental piece of getting over that. I've been there. And then the trust of when she met me, I had a 525. So now I had to come all the way up and prove to her that I'm financially responsible and doing things differently. Mm -hmm. So that was a big piece for us. And Jay, I know you're going to talk about this of uh, self-awareness. We're going to talk about that. As we go into that, segue into that, I think you and Dreams mentioned something like stuck in your own ways because mm-hmm. you have your mm-hmm. ways of doing things. And what does that mean? That means holding on to beliefs, old mm-hmm. beliefs, stubborn behaviors, not being open, not flexible or considerate to the other person's views, beliefs, ideas. So I think the key to break apart all of that and really work on yourself is what you're going to talk about, Mm self-awareness. Big time. Yeah. Yeah. And just to touch on that, where this partially came from, I remember listening to an interview with a divorce attorney who wrote a book and he recommended it for people to read before they got married. And I just, that immediately like intrigued me because I was thinking, well, that's certainly not a bad idea. You know, we have to believe that (laughs) having that awareness, like I said, would help set us up for the future. And so to think about something, if we're not happy with ourselves, and there's a lot of people out there compensating. I think we all know people that have bounced around and they keep attracting the same problems. They think that, well, this next person's going to patch up my happiness or whatever it is. But it's an inside game, you know? And so that special mm. someone is not going to fix your issues. We have to take responsibility. So where I want to go with is talking about self-awareness. And this, you know, helps with all areas of life. But one of the first things to understand is when it comes to attracting and sustaining that healthy relationship, there's a major importance of taking care of yourself and having that self-awareness. It's crucial to know who you are, what you want, and what your needs are in a relationship. You know, Only then can you attract someone who is compatible with you and who can meet your needs, not just your wants at the time. Yes. And so it's important to be aware of your own emotional baggage. We all got some baggage, mm. even if we don't know it, and how it might be affecting your relationship. You know, if you haven't worked through past traumas or relationship issues, it can easily resurface in your current relationship and cause problems. And for example, like what you witnessed with your parents, 
that might have worked for their relationship, but it doesn't necessarily mean that it's healthy. You know, it could have been a dominating relationship like what I witnessed with my father. And so what you witnessed causes trauma for your operating system. And it's work that T-Rex has talked about in the past is we got to go back and do that work and clear out Mm -hmm. some of those issues. And a study published in the Journal of Social and Personal Relationships found that couples who have a high level of emotional intelligence or the ability to understand Mm -hmm. and manage emotions tend to have better conflict resolution skills and happy relationships. What I said there was emotional intelligence. That's EQ. And I think we're going to dive into an episode on IQ versus EQ. But that's just proof. And this is a recent study that looked at all these relationships. And sometimes it might sound like common sense, but part of emotional intelligence is being able to understand, empathize, have compassion for another, be aware of, are you being judgmental? Are you being irrational in this time because of your emotions? And related to, there's research from another university, University of Utah, it suggests that people who have a high degree of emotional stability are less likely to have relationship problems and more likely to have a satisfying and stable relationships. Meaning that you have this ability to be able to recognize that there's an issue, realize you guys are maybe in a troubled mindset currently and can learn to move past it and see eye to eye and realize that you guys are working on the same team. So what I wanted to leave there before I turn over to you guys is we can't let emotions be the dictator and the influencer in the decisions that we make. You know, you can use your emotions to pump you up, but we need Mm -hmm. to be aware of our emotions, let them pass just like thoughts because they are, and we can't make very important decisions or put too much weight behind them. An example, there's times where I was heated in the past in our relationship and it's like, oh, I felt so unhappy in the moment that I was just like, you're always like this, the always and the nevers type of thing. And it got me like Mm. saying some hurtful words, like maybe this isn't going to work out type of thing. And that was just like a dagger. I didn't mean to do it that way. But that was my emotions in the moment. And I think that that happens on both sides. It's true. So I just wanted to kick it over to you guys. T, you talked a little bit on it, but what have you learned about self-awareness or how does that show up in your guys' life? So for the listeners, I want to connect it. Emotional intelligence is part of self-awareness. And how would I define self-awareness, emotional intelligence? It's knowing yourself. But part of it too is also, and to take this more practically, is journaling, mapping all your past relationships or the most recent ones. What have you learned from them? What are the patterns you saw in them? And I've done this before. Like, okay, what is the things that work? What is the things that didn't work? What is things that keeps reoccurring here? But part of emotional intelligence and self-awareness, uh, it's also about being aware of my thoughts, how am I feeling in the moment, behaviors, and to go another level deeper, it's what is triggering this, what is causing these, mm. and then having the ability to address it if it's a negative feeling or emotion. For example, if I'm feeling upset about something before going and approaching her and being angry, which is a natural reaction of us, it's... I am aware that I am angry. I am feeling it. And what is causing this in the first place? And it's using my logical brain to help navigate my emotional brain, if that makes sense. Mm -hmm. But I'll I'll throw it over to dreams. Man, I like metaphors, right? So I'm always coming up with little metaphors to help me. When I think about my emotions, right? There's something that it's unpackaged. It's raw. I'm feeling it. It's not even been processed yet. Mm -hmm. It's like eating dough. It's like eating the ingredients for a cake without actually doing the work to mix it and bake it and let it sit there for a minute to let it build and then present it to somebody to say, hey, I baked this cake for you. 
if you just threw some eggs on the table and threw some flour on the table, somebody would be like, yo, what are you doing? You know, they wouldn't be able to receive that because you haven't done the work beforehand to process it and package it and understand it and understand the science of like, why do I feel this way? Mm-hmm. Like T just said, he went through the process. I'm angry because of this. Okay. Now that I know that I'm angry because of this, what can I do about it? Is it really on me? Is it the other person that's affecting this? All right. It's me. Okay. Now I need to present this and be mature about it and communicate it with the right tone, with the right expectation of listening, being open-minded. Like It's the real work that people are not necessarily talking about. Sometimes we get into relationships and we have this expectation, well, I'm ready. So I hope this other person across the table is going to be bringing it. They better bring it because mm-hmm. I'm ready. Mm-hmm. And yep. we should also still be focusing on, all right, how can I develop and how is this person going to help me be a better version of myself? Referring, like T said, to the past relationships, is there a commonality of me dropping the ball? Oh, man, I wasn't as assertive. She wanted me to just kind of help and not ask a billion questions, but to kind of start developing my own mm-hmm. ideas of what this would look like because that's what she's looking for. Oh, this is a common thing in all my relationships. So maybe the type of women that I'm looking for are looking for this similar trait in me. So if I want this type and this is my quote unquote type, right, then I need to make sure I'm bringing this piece of myself or at least working mm-hmm. on this piece of my game. Um, mm-hmm. That's what I kind of pulled from it. You know what I mean? What about you, Jay? What you thinking? I like it though. I mean, that's connecting the dots. I can say one thing that I had to come to reality with, which I was kind of in denial, was this fear of opening up, you know? And I was like, I'm not afraid of opening up. I just haven't found the the right person. I had heard that from multiple women in my Mm. past that you have this wall up. And I'm like, what are you talking about? And it was just like, I wasn't vulnerable enough. I could like talk about all the daily things that I was doing and could talk about everything. But it was like, I didn't show that emotion. And it's not like you need to look for emotional raw moments, but you do need to allow that to connect. And that was hard for me to hear in a relationship. And it was actually in my Mm. current relationship where was at a point where it's like, sure, this could be a breaking point. And I just hadn't completely opened up because I was like, I don't need to, or I was just in denial. And so I had to do a lot of my own self-work and that just allowed our relationship to grow at a whole other level. And it's a process, you know, and that's what I wanted to talk Mm. about is the ongoing work next, connecting the dots. You guys brought up some really good examples that I related a lot to. So this is point two you're getting Yeah, and so now we're talking about the other big point here is this process of you getting to know yourself is going to be an ongoing process, but you got to do that work, especially if you're finding that you don't feel like you're creating these and developing and sustaining these fulfilling relationships. Do that work first. That could be a big factor. And then we talk about the work that goes on. And the next thing is you get to develop your operating manual that you can present to the other person and, and at least put that out there and you guys can start to connect and communicate a whole lot better. What do you mean by that operating manual? You know, it's something that based on your trauma or issues that you have, you got to be vulnerable. And this is getting into some inner child talk. Like, this is who I am. And I remember my Mm -hmm. wife said, you know, when she loses it and gets upset, there's this little girl looking back at you that was afraid of being alone or, or being hurt or whatever it was specifically. And it's the same thing for me. Like, I have to share out and put everything out there of, where I've come from and how I view the world. And by doing that, Mm. hopefully you'll be able to understand me more. And it's just part of the communication process. I hope some of that made sense. No, that made 100% sense. I have an example for you just now to let you know I understood what you just said. Yeah. 
So my mother-in-law has been here helping us out and everything. And my job has honestly been to take a step back so that I can mm-hmm. conserve energy. But mm-hmm. anytime I heard my daughter say, Daddy, I'm trying to run there to rescue, right? Because my wife's like, why do you keep doing that? Because as her mom is trying to develop a process, I'm interrupting that process. Mm-hmm. So then I had to have a conversation like, why do you keep doing that? I was like, well, you know, growing up, my dad wasn't really in the household. So I always wanted to be different. So if my daughter's saying, Daddy, I want to be there. Daddy mm-hmm. wants to be there to make sure I, I got her. Let sure he, she knows I'm here. She's like, oh, I didn't connect those dots. So then after mm-hmm. that, she was able to give me more grace as I adjusted to the yep, process. Yeah, exactly. You know? But if I didn't say anything that I wasn't vulnerable, she wouldn't be able to connect those dots. Mm-hmm. No, that's, that takes a lot to be able to communicate that and get that across. So that's big. So I hope that this inspires people to learn to be vulnerable and go in and retrospect and look within. So this next point yeah. that I want to talk about is, and thank you for sharing that, is the practice of love and relationships. You know, a doctor goes to medical school, a lawyer attends law school, and it's it's like, how much time do we spend investing in our knowledge for relationships, which mm. is the biggest investment of time, arguably, for something that we're going to be doing and sharing this vital relationship that influences the quality of our life. And when you think about it that way, it's like the skill set thing that I was talking about, whereas we can learn these skills. And I want to talk about some of my favorite skills that I'm always working on developing. And it's a process. And we can read books about it. We can talk with people about it. We can get help you know, about it. But for me, mm. the skills, I look at compassion as a skill. Some people have that natural ability. I like to think that I'm empathetic. But compassion is something that you know, you do have to train yourself to be more thoughtful. And, and especially for somebody like myself, who was very comfortable living this bachelor solo life for so long, it's a skill set that I could learn. Communication, we talked about this. Dreams, you led a whole episode on that, which was just super impactful. A skill of compromising and flexibility with all relationships, business relationships, everything. Yeah. I throw in cooking in there because we were talking about all the C's. <laughs> cooking is a good skill. That's something if you go back to your younger self, you learn how to cook. It just brings this beautiful harmony to your relationship and you'll have a skill set that will always be valued. Understanding instead of judging, having curiosity over judgment, Mm -hmm. that physical touch and playfulness. If that doesn't come to you by default, and it could be from the way you grew up, that's something that really helps keep that closeness in the relationship. So being playful, because we can be disconnected. Over time, you get busy, you start doing your own thing, you can hang out with your own friends. And so it's so important that you keep the flirtation, you keep the physical touch, you keep the playfulness. And that can be learned as a skill. So I don't want you guys to think that that doesn't come natural. You got to work on that. So those are some of my favorite skills related to relationship. What you guys got? What you got, D? I'm listening. Yeah. In terms of communication, I think a big part is developing the skill of listening versus problem solving. Mm -hmm. And a lot of guys Mm -hmm. go into problem solving mode. So I think that's something, that's a skill to learn within (laughs) communication. In terms of, you mentioned, I think it was compassion as well too. There's the love languages, which is another topic, but within the love languages, it's the words of affirmations and how I like to see it as power of acknowledgement. So being able to find things, find qualities, proactively look for qualities or see these qualities and express it. I appreciate that you do X, Y, Z. You know, those are powerful. Like those things help everyday relationships. So Another thing is creating space, boundaries. I think those are mm-hmm. skills that can be learned. There's always that quote, 
the space between the notes and that helps create music. Mm-hmm. So I think creating harmony like is having your space, doing your things that you're passionate about on your own, but then you come together. So it's not always two people together, rah, rah, in the same place, in the same house and doing everything together. Just like you have your own stuff, you have your own life and then you just complement that other person's life. So those are things I... Yes, sir. Yeah, skills to learn. I would say, I would add to that, when I ever dated, when even back when I was in the dating scene and everything, when I was attracted to a woman, it was typically because she was really focused on a particular goal, which meant she was able to set boundaries for herself. And me... I've always had this, no, this risk thing about me to push boundaries, to test boundaries, right? So then I'm like, okay, well, these are your boundaries. Mm -hmm. That's actually attractive to me because that's Mm -hmm. kind of a little bit of an opposite of what I am. I'm a risk taker, Mm -hmm. naturally. My wife is so risk adverse. Like that's literally what her job is, what her career is, is to look for risk. (laughs) I didn't know that at the time, but (laughs) literally they say opposites attract, right? Mm -hmm. So- you're looking for these traits in people when they're most focused and working on something that they're trying to build. That's usually when somebody's most attractive. When you're out there sweating in the gym and then you come back, the muscles are bulging. To most women, that's usually when guys are most attractive. So I would say the same thing to women. Um, our female listeners, our women listeners out there, when you're focused on what you're wanting to go for, a lot of women mm. are like, I have these tendencies where I fall too early and I don't want to put too much investment in it. Before I really know that this is going to work, is this guy really a bachelor right now or is he really trying to commit? I don't know. One of the best things you can do is set goals for yourself that have nothing to do with necessarily relationships. Because when you set your goals, Mm -hmm. you could then set boundaries of what align with Mm -hmm. my goals Mm -hmm. and what things that don't align with those Mm. goals. So anybody who's coming into place, either they need to align with those goals or you need to have the conversation of, is this person, what they're bringing, valuable enough Ooh. for me to adjust my goals and still get to that place? Yeah. You know what I mean? Because everybody has their own individual life and goals. Mm-hmm. And you have that before you go into the relationship. Yep. So one of those things I say, if you want to have boundaries and set boundaries like you were just saying, find out what your goals are and see if those align. Yep. That should help you. I love it, man. That really struck a chord talking about alignment in the goals and goals will change and not everybody has really defined goals and that's where the expectations can yes. take you on a wild track. If you can say, well, you know, I, that's not what I thought this was going to look like and this. So checking in and, and making sure you're in alignment and that starts with yourself, with the self-awareness. Are you in alignment mm-hmm. of what really lights you up and brings purpose to you? Thank you for sharing that. That, that was fire. Thanks, brother. Final brief point I want to touch on and then we're going to leave you with the experiment is It's cliche for a reason, but relationships are a lot of work. And I don't think that's a surprise for anybody, but it's one of the most beautiful things in the world. And you can't expect it to be. And just because you run into an obstacle, it's not like, oh, this one isn't going to work. And that's where I made a lot of mistakes Mm -hmm. earlier. And I've seen that with some friends. It's like, ah, they're just not giving in. There's no compromise. Yeah, You're not going to completely fold your cards and compromise, but there's a lot of work that you got to do on yourself and with the relationship. And I got a quote that I love, and I think this goes more than just relationships, but the grass is greener where you water it. So think about that. Yes, sir. We're in a relationship and it's so easy to think like, you know what? Maybe this one's broken. I could just move on to the next one. But it's going to take development and skill sets and you putting in that time. So where I'm going with this is sometimes you need help. A lot of times you do. And so have either of you guys ever gotten help from a third party? Because I certainly have. 
And you can't be embarrassed. I have a lot of friends that are in happy relationships and meet with weekly counselors or monthly counselors just to maintain the health of the relationship and have a third party come in there to assure these things. So have you guys and what did you guys learn from that? Mediate. Yeah. I will say, so we did marriage counseling one time where we were just like, all right, this is all new. We got to figure this out. Lois and Clark out here in California, no other like parents to really rely on and have those conversations, but we need some type of outlet. So we went to this marriage counselor. First session went pretty well. The second session blew up in my face. It, it wasn't what I expected, but we still had to, you know, do the work individually. That's a whole podcast episode by itself. Yeah. <laughs> it could be a whole podcast episode by itself, man. Yeah. But yeah. I thought I was in the trust tree, he said. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, but yeah, it blew up in our face. So we continue to do some work individually. And I think the work individually helped us even more than just the marriage counseling after the fact. But we did marriage counseling before we got mm-hmm. married with our pastor, which was mm-hmm. very helpful, very insightful. I remember you mentioned that. Touched on finances, communication, all those things like you said, that you're talking about right now, Jay. Mm-hmm. And that was a big start to at least have that somewhere in our brains to refer to, mm-hmm. you know, have some type of map. But yet the self-work is really what helped us, I think, the most with coming back to the table and having a conversation. It's like, I learned this about myself. Do I do this? I learned that about myself. Do I do this? Very- oh, yeah. Okay. That's why you do that. So like, that was the biggest takeaway. Big time. I think there is, and Jake kept saying this throughout the episodes, like a relationship is a skill and it can be learned. So when I look at skills, I like, how do you learn? You read. I think there's a lot of amazing books out there. Workshops. I've done workshops with relationships. There's mm. Tony Robbins, Date with Destiny. It's also, I think a huge part for me was just hanging around mature men mm. and women, usually older and understanding and being able to talk in safe circles. I have been in many men's groups as well, too. Just going out in Natier or going in these small workshops and just hearing different men and their perspective. But also, again, it comes back to having mature conversations, being able to share, being vulnerable. I think those things have helped a lot in my development, at least so. Oh, that's awesome, man. Mm. Thanks for sharing. I think that's that's true. That's why I, I like that, putting yourself around mature people. I think that it goes for a lot of things, business, relationships, but especially relationships and how to treat people and make people feel special and, and listening and all that. You start to pick up on those things. So there you have it. That was certainly some thought-provoking topics that we're talking about. And like always, we want to leave you with an experiment so you can take some of this and apply it to your life right away. And so experiment we got right here is really about being a student to relationships. Same thing, all types of relationships here. And so a few things, summarizing what we talked about, you know, self-awareness, understanding that relationships require a lot of work. It's skill set. This is common sense, but we don't really think always that these are things that we got to really put our time into and start to focus on education. So experiment. Think about this in your relationship, whether you're currently in one or you're searching for a relationship or you're open to attracting one. We got to get clear in our needs and you can get a journal out and write these things down. But are you aware of what your needs are, your goal, what you're trying to attract, who that ideal mate is? Because it's not just all woo woo. Like we really can manifest that if we're looking for that and be realistic. But like, what are the things that are most important to you? You know, and maybe prioritize those. And then some fun assessments. If you're in a relationship and we can talk about more of this in the future, but do the love languages test. There's a lot there with the five love languages. 
personality types like Myers-Briggs, mm. I think these can certainly help understand your partner better. And it's an ongoing process. Just because you read about it for an hour one time, like you're going to have to revisit these things. Learn a new skill together. Try cooking. You know, that's fun. And spend a lot of time eating. So this is certainly helpful. You know, looking at things through your partner's lens. So when you're away from the situation, just think like, is this fulfilling all their types of needs? Or is it a game of tug and war? And talked about staying connected. What can you do to keep that playfulness and initiate more of that physical touch to bring some more chemistry in there? And with that, don't neglect the small things. Small things are everything. So just because you plan a nice date and every now and then you do this and do a gift, like how are you showing up when you come in the house? How are you showing up on that date? Are you still carrying around all the funk from work or are you present? And then next time you're in a conflict, remember that team scenario. You don't want to get stuck in the maze of the blame game and judging. Like you're on the same team. If one person is losing, the whole team is losing. That's not a good thing. And I'm going to leave you with a couple of relevant books that were eye-opening to our relationship. The Relationship Handbook. You know, it's simple. It's, it's written by a psychologist and marriage counselor. It's incredible. It's concise. It gives you examples. And The Four Agreements. Some of y'all are probably pretty familiar with that, but look it up if you're not sure about it. But that's all we got for you. Fellas, do you got anything before I send them away? Man, that was well said. Beautiful. Well spoken, well said. I love it. I think this is great. Yeah, great experiments. Go do it. And yeah, looking forward to more conversations like these. Do it, do it. And we will see you the next time. All right, y'all. Do the work. Peace. We out. Hey, what's up? This is Big Dreams. Thank you for checking out today's episode of The Manhood Experiment. If you like today's episode, please subscribe and give us five stars. Not only does your feedback matter, but it helps us to connect with others just like you that find value in our weekly episodes. So subscribe, share, and speak with your friends and family about today's episode. And most importantly, take care of yourself, keep growing, and join us again on the next episode of The Manhood Experiment. <laughs>